Hello, friends. Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast, where we uncover modalities, habits, and technologies that enable people, teams, and organizations to break the unhealthy trance of busyness and evolve into a calm, deliberate, and healthy way of accomplishing far more in less time. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Focus to Evolve podcast, where we talk about magical things that help you accomplish far more in way less time while keeping email and all the incoming well-managed and keeping well-being at center stage. That's that magical unicorn state we help individuals and teams and companies with when they bring us in for trainings and coachings and all kinds of fun meanderings. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about foundations of effectiveness. And if I put that to different words, basically the foundational things that after I don't even know how many thousands of books and podcasts and studying under real samurai of effectiveness have yielded some very similar things that people have to do in order to be highly effective while maintaining that well-being. And that's not a common state in the uh, corporate working world, as you know. Even in entrepreneurial land, I mean, we get so deeply passionate about what we're doing when it's your company or you're a small group, and all of a sudden your passion kind of bounces you up against exhaustion. (laughs) Then throw the family in, the relationships, your own personal health. How do you juggle it all? So these things we're going to cover today are some of those basics. They're the ones that keep recurring um, in in the courses you might look at or the podcasts you listen to or whatever the case may be. So I'm just going to kind of go down a bullet point list here of things that bubbled to the surface just from heuristic experience of being in front of tens of thousands of people who basically brought us in, hired us, and said, I feel busy, I feel overwhelmed, and I don't like the feeling. (laughs) Here are the main things that we kind of start chipping away at. We do it more methodical, and we obviously uh, show some really impactful things during the training, but these are things that you could probably use today. Actually, I know you can, you know, from at least a conceptual standpoint, and it will help. So the first of these foundations of effectiveness that I want to share with you, and I don't think any of this is going to be new for anybody. This is just going to be like taking a shower. You know, it's something you got to do every day and you get dirty naturally. That's how busyness is too. It's it's just like dirt. It clings to you. <laughs> if you're out there working, you get busy. If you're out there living, busyness just kind of floats your way and sticks to you. So you need to get reminded on occasion. And that's what this podcast can be for you today. A little effectiveness shower for you. Just get squeaky clean. <laughs> All right. So the first one for me personally, is to get really serious about untethering from most of your alerts during the day. And the big offender here are email alerts. Also, I would say text notifications as well. When you're focusing on your deep work, when you're hopefully going into kind of protected mode when it's really time to get some meaningful purposeful, mission-oriented stuff done, hopefully you're turning the world off just for even 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, hopefully even more than that. But I know it's kind of weird to do if you're not really used to doing it. But that will help you to get that protected space. And the untethering, the act of untethering from all of those alerts does wonders for your attention. 
and more attention leads to larger connectomes. Your brain gets huge. You can watch fMRI scans of your neural networks ramping up those ionic charges. And the more focus, the less distraction, the less alerts you give your body exposure to. The bigger that connectome grows, the smarter you get, the faster you're able to work, the more access to heuristic wisdom you have. There is so much data out there about the importance of protecting your focus that I'm not going to waste any more time even talking about it. Just Google it and find out, or don't Google it and just use it. Kind of like how we use gravity. <laughs> Most of us really don't understand how gravity works. In fact, I actually think nobody does, but it is a force. It's a real thing of nature and it really does work. That's what protected focus does. You will carve through twice as much work in the same number of hours worked just by protecting your focus time way more. And that's done by untethering from most of your alerts. Notice I'm saying most of your alerts. I'm not saying all of your alerts. That's not realistic. But most of your alerts for a large portion of your day and have intermittent exposure periods throughout the day or something like that. Maybe you're in a frontline role, customer service. If you're a trader on the floor, I've trained some of those. You know, there are obviously times when you cannot be off the grid, but there are some of the times that you can be off the grid. And if you are on those front lines, you really can't get offline during working hours, then the suggestion is always to get a partner where you can get coverage while you do some focus work, and then you do the same for that partner. And that's how that works to get a little bit of protected time because frontliners have work to do as well. They got to get some things done. So that's a great system. Get a little buddy system going there. So that's the first one. I want to untether from most of the alerts, especially the email one for most or a lot of, or at least a portion of your day. So you can get that protected, focused burst that uh, everybody would love. All right. The second one that comes to mind here is proactive calendaring versus reactive calendaring. Now, in our trainings, we go through a module called architectural calendaring, where you become the architect of your life. And it's based on something that's quite logical. Like once you spell it out, anyone who says, well, what do you mean proactive calendaring? A lot of people just use their calendars because someone requested time or you got a thing you kind of want to protect or something like that. But it's not a super serious thing where an architect, if you think about an architect designing out a building, he opens those blueprints. It's not kind of, it's really detailed. If you've ever looked at a blueprint of a large building. My brothers are both in construction. I've seen some of those blueprints and it's always just mind boggling at the level of detail that's in all of those pages for those buildings. The same should be done if you're a real craftsman of your life. If you're a craftsperson who is deliberate about the life that you're bringing in, well, then you really do have to get proactive with your calendar. You build out tomorrow. You don't just kind of hope tomorrow works out. No, you put it in the calendar and then you execute on that. So when tomorrow comes, you're no longer just the architect. When tomorrow comes, you're actually the contractor that's doing the doing that the architect laid out for yourself. Today, you're the architect of tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're a contractor who just swings those hammers and gets it done so that that building is manifested in a way that the architect laid it out in the blueprint. It's a fun little analogy to keep in mind. Also, I'm reminded of a pretty funny joke I heard for us productivity nerds. <laughs> Hopefully somebody laughs out here. But there were two construction workers out on the job site. Let's call him uh, Bob and Jim. Bob and Jim out on the construction site. 
the lunch bell whistles and they go to grab their lunch bag and Bob opens his bag and he goes, God dang it, bologna sandwich again. He's really upset by this. Like, really, he's just sick of it. And so Jim looks over at him and says, oh man, tired of the bologna sandwiches? He goes, yeah, every single day, bologna sandwich, bologna sandwich. And Jim says, well, Bob, why don't you just ask your wife to pack something different? Bob says, well, it's not her. She, she's not packing for me. I actually pack my own lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're doing in our days every day. Feeling busy again? Is it like Groundhog Day again? Because you didn't protect and design a day and say no where you needed to or delegate or punt some lower priority things forward. There are so many ways to do architectural calendaring. But stop packing your lunch if you're sick of the bologna sandwich. Put a different food item in there for tomorrow. <laughs> because the truth is, you're the one doing it. There are some jobs where bosses and customers are more demanding than others, and those require some courageous sometimes conversations to kind of get that balance back. But it is so important to realize you are the one packing your lunch for tomorrow, and you can pack it differently. It doesn't mean you're going to nail it every day. In fact, my rule is always 80-20. I don't seek perfection, but I do always seek improvement. It's important to remember, too, I heard it cleverly stated, we are asked of the current future right now. Now, I know that's kind of a weird wording, uh, but we are the past of the current future. So in other words, right now, you were once in a spot where right now was that past self's future. And right now, looking forward, you are in a position to vibrate every molecule differently. You can make different decisions. You can actually make a very deliberate day in your calendar. And you can do a whole lot of other things to change the current moment's future. And if you believe anything otherwise, then you're just living a false victimhood. And it doesn't have to be that way. And so just really meditate on that for a second. I mean, you can change a lot. You're within like five feet of changing just about every variable of your life should you so choose and should you start looking at this as you're the one that holds the future in your hand by the minutes, the calories, and the things you do right now and designing a calendar that will bring in a dream life in a balanced way is a huge step to take. So that's a big one for me, proactive calendaring versus this kind of more typical reactive sort of kind of calendaring that most of us do. We'll be right back after this brief message. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Welcome back to the Focus to Evolve Podcast. The third one here that I wanted to bring up, and it's a simple one, is if you don't have one dedicated task list yet, then please get one. If it's paper, okay. 
If it's Outlook tasking, great. If it's Google Tasks, outstanding. If it's Microsoft To Do, perfect. If it's, it doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. It's the one that you use to select what you're going to do proactively. And then when time comes, you do it. So basically what goes on that task list is not just everything that could be done. And you kind of use it as a sort of suggestion list. No, your task list is one of the most purpose-driven strategic tools you have access to. What is your mission? What is your purpose? What is your goal? What's your targets? Those are the items that go on that one task list you have. Everything else is a no-go. It doesn't get on the task list. A task list is not an old burial ground for things you might do, newsletters you might read, things like that. No, you decide proactively, am I going to do it? I'm the architect now. Am I going to do this or not? If yes, it goes on the list. If maybe or no, then it's a hell no. Don't do it. Derek Sivers wrote that book called Hell Yes or No. And he said that that way of living, that way of thinking of, if it's not hell yes, then it's hard no. <laughs> and there are a lot of really successful people who have adopted to that. And that's why those super successful people in their ways are where they are. It's because they've adopted that. And notice that I kept saying one task list, as in not two, not three, and especially not a task list and an inbox that acts as a task list. Believe me when I tell you, that's the very last thing you want to do if you are interested in getting far more done in way less time while keeping well-being at center stage. You cannot use your inbox as what I'm going to do next. That is not strategic. It's not purpose-driven. It's not contextual. It's not priority stamped. <laughs> Tasks are. But inbox is just, pardon me, I'm going to try to swear as little as I can on this Focus to Evolve podcast, but I'm going to swear now. Inbox is a shit show. <laughs> it's a shit show. And I will challenge anybody who, who might say inbox is better than a formalized, deliberate, strategic, mission-driven task list. I mean, come on, that's just comedy. So the next one I want to move on to here after tasks, having one task list, is this modality of doing one thing at a time. By the way, you get it from the task list, so you don't have to be thinking, you don't have to reread emails, you don't have to get it from the task list. And then you deliberately do the doing one thing at a time. It could be a real small thing. Oh, I got to walk the dog next. And then the next thing might be build that rocket ship. Well, obviously that's a big initiative. So really that task is more like an initiative. And you just define what little part you're going to do of building that rocket ship, the proverbial rocket ship. I'm not talking to Elon Musk here. I don't think he's listening. But that's the idea. One thing at a time. How wonderful would that feel if you, in a calm, deliberate, and authentic way, just tackled one thing at a time? It's so much easier. And by the way, that's all we're actually doing anyways. And we think we're not. We think we're doing this multitasking thing. But all we're doing is jumping around and costing ourselves all kinds of time and cognitive burn and cognitive switch tax. It's very ineffective. It costs a lot of energy. All of a sudden, your emotional energy goes down. Your attitude becomes poor. You become fatigued. Workload burnout starts setting in. And that's the last thing you want. That doesn't happen when you do just one thing at a time deliberately. There's a book out there, if you haven't read it, called The One Thing. It is a gorgeous book. It is a full frontal attack on those who are feeling burnout, workload overspill, just like there's just too much going on. 
And this book really brings you on down to a more calm level where you can maximize your effectiveness. And I would highly recommend you do it. The book title is The One Thing, and I highly recommend it to really instigate into yourself and implement this one thing at a time way of doing your life, your work, everything. Because actually here and now is where everything's happening and we can only do one thing at a time. It's the way our brains work. The next one I wanna talk about is clarity. So this is a, another foundation of effectiveness that I really pick up on more and more as I age, to be honest with you, but I also see in the rearview mirror how much it would have helped me <laughs> and all the things I've had to try to do, not had to try to do, I got to try to do. And getting clarity, taking that pause especially when the hurricane is nasty. Get in that eye of the hurricane where it's still and then regroup, get that clarity point, take the deep breath and then decide. So from a place of stillness, decide and then go. And what if it's the wrong decision though? Who cares? Just adjust. You did your best from stillness. You really thought about it. You made a deliberate decision and then just go with all that you've got. But also check out, adjust if needed. And it's quite organic. Uh, but so many people get stuck in that procrastination procrastination loop because they just don't have clarity and therefore they can't decide and therefore they don't go. So it's this nasty little mechanism of action that happens with us humans. A lot of people do ask me that. What, what do you do about procrastination? My answer to that succinctly is get clarity, go to stillness, then decide as best you can and don't worry about that ambiguity. It's always going to be there. Just do your best. Move forward. You will get more data as you move forward. You'll adjust and keep going. Adjust and keep going. Don't be wobbling. That's the last thing you want to be doing. You want to be walking or running, not wobbling. And man, I see a lot of wobbling out there. I'm reminded of Archimedes' donkey. It's an old tale where this farmer, he's got a donkey. He walks out of his house one morning and the, the donkey's looking at him. And man, it's obvious that donkey is struggling. So he walks up to the donkey and on one side, he looks at him and says, oh my gosh, he's, he's starving to death. I forgot I haven't fed him in a few days. And oh my gosh, there's no water over in his little tray there. And the farmer goes, gets water, gets food, puts the water on the left side, food on the right side of the donkey. And the donkey is so happy because he's literally about to die. And he looks over at the food and starts to go over to grab a bite, but then looks over at the water and goes over to grab a drink and the food and the water and keeps going back and forth, but doesn't do either of them because he's so hungry and thirsty. And all of a sudden the donkey falls over and dies of hunger and thirst. <laughs> so Nassim Taleb tells about that uh, story in his book, Anti-Fragile. And that is the truth. We are all dealing with that donkey side of ourselves where it's like, oh, I got so much to do and I got to, and I'll sort of do, and I kind of, no, and I should, oh, and I could, and I shouldn't, I need to do that. And, I, and all of a sudden you're not doing a damn thing. And then you fall over and die of busyness. <laughs> so uh, Nassim Taleb in his book says, don't be an ass. <laughs> do one thing at a time, move on to the next thing. It's that simple. And then it's all done hours before you would ever have expected it because you're not ruminating on the loop of all that you have to do. Instead, you're doing. So that's, that's a really fun story. That one slapped me in the face and I loved it. The next foundation of effectiveness that bubbles up in my mind is the importance of defining the process of your work Whatever that process is, I don't. whatever you do, we all do one thing and then another thing and the next thing and the next thing. Defining the process, like the craft of the process. And then after you have done the process, 
just relinquish all of the mental things that can go on after you've completed the process, wondering if it's going to work out, wondering if the boss is going to like it, wondering if the customer is going to respond, all these things that are just of the mind, they have nothing to do with actual nowness or actual reality. You've done your part. You did the process like a real craft person as best you can, and then you just let it go. Let the cosmos take care of the rest. The mature king and the mature queen, they measure deliberate process and results rather than just results. Because if you're dripping that high quality process consistently, you are guaranteed to get your result as long as you're doing your adjustments and getting your feedback. You know, don't be all stubborn and calcified and stick your head in the sand. No, we're talking about do the process, continue to evolve the process, but do it just awesomely with everything you got. And then don't spend any minutes or calories on wondering how the result's going to be or being concerned with the results. You did you. One of our trainers here at Focus to Evolve, Tana, she always says, you do you, boo. <laughs> That's exactly what you want to do. But do the highest version of you, not the one that loops and wonders and wastes great cognitive energy worried about consequences or results. You just do the process. So think about it in your life. What are, what are your processes? Are they well-defined? Have they been updated? And then just do them and move on. But it's a consistent drip. I mean, you know, a consistent water carved the Grand Canyon. Just consistency, consistency. Do the same thing. All of a sudden, your Grand Canyon will be carved. So don't worry too much about the, the results there. Another one on the foundations of effectiveness that came to my mind is having the courage. And we've talked about this one on, on the podcast and ad nauseum in our trainings. <laughs> but the courage to recover. Have the courage to recover. Busyness is kind of like a collective cultural bully that nobody seems to want to really tackle. You're just worried. You want that badge of honor of, I'm burnt out. I worked till 11 last night. Uh, oh, I worked on Saturday and Sunday. Rah! <laughs> I know it's not that bad for some people, but for some companies and corporate cultures, it is. And it's just comical because they could be getting more done in way less time and their employees could have healthy relationships at home and healthy relationships with their bodies and be recovered so that they could fight so much harder and stronger. It's kind of like Covey, the goose that lays the golden eggs and the farmer starts ignoring the goose and just wants those golden eggs and mushes it and put out more, more output, but he doesn't take care of the goose. And so the goose golden eggs start going away. It's the same thing with us. We're all just golden egg laying geese. And we need to take care of ourselves. So those golden eggs are really nice for us. I was just listening to uh, Greg McEwen's Effortless. And he was talking about how there were there was this study done. It was a statistically viable study, global study. I think it was from Gallup, where they said that 35 hours of work is where the point of diminishing return begins. And every five hours after that is dramatically lower in quality and the mistakes skyrocket after that point. So basically you should almost be targeting about 
you know, between 30 and 40 hours, because 35 hours was just the average, uh, 30 and 40 hours is where your point of diminishing returns is, unless you're just one of the outliers, one of those one percenters, and you might be. That point of diminishing return is costing companies so much money because they're not getting their highest version of their employees. They're not getting their employees' hearts. I do know that the emotional tax is huge when a person is fatigued. In fact, they say that uh, emotional controls drop by up to I think it was 63% when a person feels mental fatigue. So do you want to be talking to your customers when you're 63% less emotional control? No way. Have the courage to take care of yourself. Keep that 35-hour mark in mind. What if there was a way to move your 55 hours down to 35? Well, I can personally guarantee there is. We have modalities that prove this over and over and over. So call us if you want a training and how to basically get 20 hours a week back if you're one of those 50, 60, 70 hour people. Believe me, there are some cool levers to pull. And the idea here is really just in general, I mean, we, we could go on and on with these foundations of effectiveness, but it's so important that we all just do our best to deviate from what is familiar deviate from this idea that always on is the right way to be. The badge of honor is just how much did you bleed? That's not necessarily true. Sometimes it is. Some projects are nasty and there's no way around it, but most of it shouldn't be. Most of it doesn't have to be. In fact, if you want to grow more brain matter, more white and gray matter, this is proven. There's a process called dendritic arborization, where when you deviate from your assumption stack and from your belief stack of culture or personal or collective, you actually sprout new little dendrites, new neural networks begin to reach out, connect. More gray matter is literally grown. And then when you reinforce them and reinforce them through architectural calendaring, it almost doesn't even take willpower. It just takes you having a really higher self moment and putting it into a calendar in the future. And all of a sudden you get new brain matter. And so we're not stuck. We're not calcified. You don't have to keep on working in the way that you were. Review your contracts. You know, most of us signed these contracts when we were in our early 20s getting our first corporate gig. And all of a sudden, that's that's what's right. Just because our first job was, that's, that's what we believe, but we never reviewed it. So yeah, exercise that dendritic arborization. Get that, get the gray matter and the, the white matter growing and neuroplasticity. You can analyze your beliefs. You can re- establish the way you work. And it does help to learn some things, kind of like some things we covered today. You know, obviously we get more down to where the rubber hits the road in the trainings and coaching. So if that's something that is of interest to you, reach out to us. We love talking about this stuff. It, it really kind of does come down to a courage thing, a, a courage. I, I keep using this word. It's a big theme in my life this year. I can't really explain why, but that's exactly what it is. You know, a lot of this goes in the face of bosses. A lot of this goes in the face of a lot of people in our lives. So being disliked for being a healthy high producer, that would be a badge of honor in an evolved world. And let's let's go out there and do that. Let's make a change because it is more profitable. And humans who have better self-care while producing amazing results and maintaining relationships because we are a tribal species. I got news for you. And loneliness, just Google, impacts on health of loneliness. It is just devastating to our species. And so we need more time for that kind of stuff while also being profitable and productive for our companies. We want that too. So 
this spacious productivity is real. This balanced thriving, it's real. We're coaching the world on how to do it, and I've dedicated my life to it. Thank you for listening to this wonderful rant. I hope it helped you in some way, and I very much look forward to seeing everybody on the next transmission. Take care. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to our producing director, Bridget Coyne, and audio engineer, Ian Douglas. I'm your host, Jason Henkel, thanking you for tuning in today and inviting you to like and subscribe to this podcast. Also, if you think this may help others in your personal or professional network, please share today's episode. Until next time, I wish you a calm, deliberate, and authentic week ahead. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.